0: Welcome to Unbroken Jars. I'm Doug. And I'm Randy. And this is a podcast where we explore individuals' real-life stories and real faith. You're listening to Unbroken Jars, episode 30, Out of the Tombs. The light of Jesus shines through the darkness, and we carry this light in unbroken jars of clay. We have a life and a story about our faith journey, but we're not struck down or destroyed. Our stories shine the light on Jesus and His power. Our faith walk has forever been shaped by the life of one man, that's Jesus. Jesus continues to use these real-life stories of those around us to mold us. We dive into this world by investigating, interviewing, and walking alongside real people who share their stories. Their faith stories of struggle, sin, joy, and victory, and how God is leading them will help shape your faith journey in unbroken jars of clay. Jeremy Haynes is, is joining us today, uh, and he's one of the individuals who came to 2820 a while back, and we gradually kind of got to know Jeremy. Actually, there was a, a bunch of different people before I got to know Jeremy that 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 kind of had reached out and connected with Jeremy, and I know I had seen him uh, several different times, but uh, over the last several months, I've seen God at work in Jeremy's life and, in, uh, and his girlfriend Tiffany's life, and... Uh, um, and uh I I tell you that to say, you know, Jeremy's come in today to join us on this podcast to uh, share a little bit about his life as we do each 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 time we open up this podcast and uh, we're grateful for his journey and where God's leading him and what's gonna continue to happen through him and I'm I'm grateful that you're here today, Jeremy. So thank you. Thanks for joining
1: I'm us. I'm
2: glad to be here. Yeah.
1: So I'm I'm trying to remember back, Jeremy. You know, when, when I first met you. But but before we even do that, I mean, I'm not even sure if I know like where you grew up at. And maybe just share a little bit with those that are listening into us, like uh, like where like as a kid, where you where you grew up at, and where you came from, and a little bit about your growing up years. All
2: right. Um, I was born in Coleman, Alabama, in 1981. Um, I've had got three siblings. I've got uh two sisters and a brother mm-hmm. my mom and dad very loving family uh just uh sober family you know uh my dad he drunk a little bit but as far as my mom she didn't do anything like that you know and just i was i was in a loving family you know my mom would do anything for me my dad would do anything for me and just i just uh pretty much i just got off on the wrong foot you know and just mm. making my own decisions.
1: So you, you go to school there in Coleman? Yes. Finished high school there? No, or, no, no. Okay. Maybe. So, w-
0: where did you go? Where did you go to uh, like elementary school? There may be, I, I guarantee you—there's somebody listening to this that has connections to Coleman. Yes. Actually, to, the lady I was just talking to is now—I don't know if you saw me talking to a lady in the hallway—but she's a new children's minister in Coleman. But okay. So it was interesting that you said Coleman. I didn't realize that. about Yeah.
2: You. Um, I went to uh, West Elementary, and then uh, Coleman High School.
0: Okay. And were you were you active in Coleman High School?
2: Yeah, I played football. Yeah?
0: Yeah. What position did you play? Fullback. You look like a fullback. If y'all can see Jeremy, <laughs> he's he looks like he's he's thick and can bust somebody's jaw is what it looks like. Mm-hmm. All right. um all right, I didn't mean to jump you. No, your... no,
1: no. like and I was just gonna ask, uh so the family was stable, did what was church a part of
2: growing up, many? Um, no. Not re- not really, you know, just my mom you know she she believed and she just didn't she just she worked all the time to uh, take care of the family my dad when i was probably about 14 he came down with alzheimer's oh. and so uh, at about 15 i was not doing good in school you know and just me and the principal didn't get along so i ended up getting kicked out of school so that was my job then was to take care of my dad while my mom worked so for about four and a half years, I had to, he's pretty much like a baby, like, you know, he had to wear diapers and stuff like that, just take care of him, feed him.
1: How did that, how did that have an impact on you? I mean, that's was,
2: one of the main reasons I started using drugs was that, and just when, uh, when he died, that's when I just went off the deep end, you know, and just ended up, you know, just I, I started smoking weed at first and that's when he was sick. And then, uh, as he got, uh, you know, as his condition aggressed and you know, and then when he got to where he was very bad and he died, that's when I started using methamphetamines. Mm. So, and then just from that point on, it was, it was a down slope from that point on. So, 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 so back up just a
0: little bit. Um, you're, I can tell you're really open, and I appreciate that and your willingness to share, even even from the beginning, but. Help us connect some of the dots. You said you and the principal didn't get along. No. Now, now to be fair, I've got children, and um, especially from a kid's perspective, I'm interested to know because that sounds like a cop out for a kid that's making poor decisions.
2: Yes, that's what it was. Okay, but <laughs> yes. tell tell me a
0: little bit about <laughs> that because there was, you said you stayed home after that, and I want to hear more and I want to dig in more a little bit about your dad. and and that process. But I'm interested to hear a little bit about the decisions you were making that were leading to you getting kicked out of school at 14, did you say? Yes. At 14 years old.
2: Coming, uh, basically being late for school, coming in smelling like marijuana, coming in high, you know, and just never doing homework and just quit the football team. Just bad decisions all the way around. Mm -hmm. Poor bad decisions. And I just said, and just like any addict, besides it wasn't my fault, it was the principal's fault. Yeah. But in reality, it was my fault.
1: Yeah. You was know? your dad already, like, did this start before your dad got sick or had he already well, uh, started showing some signs? I, um,
2: he had already started showing signs. Like he'd say I'd go to my aunt's house and uh, my mom was sitting to pick me up and two hours after that he'd pull up and it saying he got lost mm. in a ten minutes period, you know what I'm saying, driving from our house to my aunt's house to pick me up. Mm-hmm. And that's how my mom really started figuring it in, you know, that something wasn't right. And that's when she went and got him checked out. Yeah. How so. old was he when he was diagnosed? Um probably sixty. Okay. Yeah. So
0: you were you were younger?
2: yeah I'm the baby with yeah. a,
0: how many siblings do you have <laughs> three you have three
2: yep yeah. um
0: and were they in the house at the time? No, it was just me okay, they were already grown yep yeah. okay um so so tell us a little bit you you also mentioned you know once you got kicked out of school, that was kind of the beginning of of a steep decline yes, but help us understand you already come into school beforehand. And you had already begin, according to you, and what I understand is smoking pot. Yeah. At least, where did that begin? Who introduced you to pot? If your family was um, friends. I mean, you don't have to say you who. You yeah. Have I say <laughs> the names. It's like, oh, Johnny Smith. <laughs> <that guy. laughs> um,
2: people, people that I was hanging out with yeah. that I, I said was friends. You know, just
0: yeah. acquaintances. So, do you remember the first time then? Yes. So what happened? How did that? How did you decide? Okay, I'll give this a shot.
2: Oh, just I just done it. I, it was there, and I done it. Made the choice to do it. it was just it that easy. It wasn't no prayer pressure, nothing like that. No, it's just I done it. So
0: yeah, yeah. Um, now um, now I, I've I got more. I, I got a question on here that I'm getting to, but I'm still interested. Um, there there's a transition in here with your dad. So you get kicked out of school, and that are you just smoking pot at that time? Yes. Okay. So, and and a lot of, I mean, I, I work with addicts um, in counseling. A lot of addicts will tell you, you know, pot is not a drug. Um, that's part of kind of the common theme, is is, is that it's not. So, so you had smart uh, started smoking pot, and then you got kicked out of school, kind of in that regression phase for you. And then you're assigned to take care of your dad. Did your drug use get worse while you were out of school, or, or, as you were taking care of him, and once he passed away, and um, what was that progression like?
2: It was it, it 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 got worse as I was helping take care of him because of the hurt, you know. It was just uh, it would it would take the pain away, you know. Like I didn't like seeing him like that, and the drug use would help me with that, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the smoke of the weed would, well, at least I thought it would, but it really made things worse, you know. So, but as far as and then aggression wise just yes, as sicker he got, the worse I got. The mm-hmm. more I started to use, you know, the uh, the larger quantities of it I started to use. Mm-hmm. So,
0: what was your transition? And you know, people may not be interested in. It. I'm interested in this. I do counseling work in this field what was your progression how did you what was your next drug of choice that you moved from um marijuana to what
2: methamphetamine
0: okay and then how did you get to that point how did you get to the point where you were using methamphetamines?
2: um just my dad dying and just um hanging out with uh, you know i got uh, introduced to some people that i knew that was doing it so and then I guess just at first it was the my dad dying and then just wanting to fit in, you know, wanting the the people that I was hanging around with, that's what they was doing. So that's how I got started doing it.
1: Mm-hmm. What about your mom? Was she
2: aware of all this? And yes. She how, couldn't how stand it, it. How did it affect her? She couldn't stand it. She, for I mean, just – that's like I said uh other day in church when I said, you know, that – the fear I had is that I'd never see my mom or my grandma or my dad again mm. because of the lifestyle that I was living. But I don't fear that no more. Because, yeah. you know, I mean, I know one day I'll see them again. I used to wouldn't even look up at the sky, you know, just because I knew it when I was in my addiction. I know she's in heaven, and I knew me, the life I was living, I wasn't going to be there to see her again, you know. Mm-hmm. And it it's, it took a toll on me. But now you know I can just I love looking at the sky. You'll catch me all the time looking up there, smiling now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So.
0: So I, you're. So somewhere in here too, your, your dad passed away. Yes. Then somewhere in here, your mom passed away. Yes. Tell us a little bit about what happened um, there
2: and what. I um, just I eventually uh, caught cases for methamphetamines, a trafficking and distribution charge.
0: Oh, caught, got arrested. Yes. You got, okay. Yes, and That's uh. What you
2: mean by. Went to prison for that. And the um, this is how I realized that the people I thought was my friends, that I was disowning my family, my mom, my sisters, and everybody for, these folks that I thought was my friends, not one letter did I get from them. Not, not one phone call would did they receive. The only person that was there for me when I was incarcerated was my mother and my family. Mm-hmm. And just... Uh, she ended up coming down while I was in prison. She ended up uh, getting diagnosed with COPD. But even though she had that COPD, she still made sure that I had money on my books, you know, every week.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And just that that just – to me it opened my eyes when I was in prison. But when I got out of prison, I just went back to that same lifestyle, you know. It's just – all the chances that I've had, you know, she wanted me to straighten up a lot of times. She's begged me to straighten up. My mom did. I am mm-hmm. t- just literally cried, got down on her knees and cried and begged me to straighten up, but I just – I wouldn't do it, you know. It's just – and that kills me to think about that now, you know. That's just – that still eats me up, you know. Because, yeah. I mean, I, I would love for her to see me, you know. I'd love to see her now and just, you know.
1: Yeah. Where were you at when – you found out she had passed away. I was
2: I was out of prison. I wasn't in prison. Uh-huh. But from me getting out of prison and going back to that same lifestyle, my mom ended up moving in with my sister. And it, with me living that lifestyle, my sister didn't want me at her house. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't want to have nothing. Couldn't trust me at her house, you know. Sure. And uh just – the only time I got to go see my mom is when I got the phone call saying that I need to come, that she didn't have that much longer. And whenever uh, I walked in the door, it was like maybe three minutes after I walked in the door and I talked to her, she died. Mm. And my sister Melody said, I told y'all that's who she was waiting on. Hmm. And it's just, it's hard to even talk about it. Yeah, I'm yeah, sure, sure. It's just, but now me and my sister Melody, perfect relationship, man. Just yeah. She, she messaged me all the time. When are you going to come and see me? <laughs> what are y'all doing, you know? It's just all well, this time, you know, I just I thought they was. I would call them and cuss them out. Two years ago, I called them and cussed them out because they wouldn't send me no money. Told them that they was the reason why I was homeless and stuff like that. And just it was never them. They was always there for me. Yeah. I was the one that was. I betrayed them. I turned my back on them. Yeah, When I got here in Huntsville, I was supposed to come to Huntsville to do a year program at the rescue mission, the rehab. It's the reason why I come to Huntsville for.
0: At the rescue mission? Yes.
2: that My family, my, my sisters, my nieces dropped me off up here to do a year program uh, five, six years ago. And I never went through the program. I hit the streets and was homeless for five and a half years. But every day i would every time i got on the phone with them i would blame them for me being here y'all the ones that dropped me off up here and but really the whole time all i had to do was get a program and get right you know mm-hmm. and they was so, there for me the whole time
0: um there's more i want to know about that too about specifically the homeless part because that's kind of where our paths crossed as well but um Tell us, how how did you get, you know, you mentioned picked up some charges. I'm assuming that was in Coleman. Yes. Okay. But a lot of people knew you here when we knew you as a dealer.
2: No. So. I mean, I was, I never was a dealer. What I did was I sold drugs to support my habit. I never made any money. I got you. Mm-hmm. I would sell the drugs to support my high. Mm-hmm. would never have money to get food with none of that it would all go on to to feed my addiction mm-hmm. I was never a drug dealer here you know it's just what I would do is I would get everybody's money <laughs> and i basically i'd use everybody else to get what i wanted I mm-hmm. so yeah
1: so and your money came from i mean was you were you were getting any money from anywhere, or were you just getting the money from these guys that were well, in
2: your Buying drugs for, to, or bring drugs to, to. the God's honest truth, while I'm sitting here, is uh, before I went to His way, when I would come to 2820 on Sundays, I would come and 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 get as much money as I could. From that's the only reason I'd come there.
1: That's uh, you're not the only one. <laughs> and, 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 and get money
2: <laughs> from folks there, yeah. and and go get it and come back. Yeah. And uh, Andrew Reynolds told me. He said. He kept on telling me when I first got to his way, he said, now when you when you get to where you go to 2820, he said, if you can do it, I'm going to need you to go. He said, because I, 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 think, I think something's going to happen here, you know, just from folks seeing you. And after I started going and people started putting applications in, we was on our way back to his way one day, and he said, now you see what I'm talking about? He said, Jeremy, he said, for a year I was trying to get you to come in this program and you'd come to 2820, and he said – You'd be there for about thirty minutes, and you leave. And he said, when you'd come back, he said half the congregation of the homeless folks would leave following you because you would go get their drugs for them. Yeah. And he said, if they will follow you doing that, he said I knew for a fact that they would follow you doing good and yeah. positive. Yeah. He said that's that's what made. It. He said I just. He said I just. He said I'm glad that it worked out the way I thought it would. He said, it's just, he said, because I seen them, you'd, pull, you'd come back up, and he said, you're leaving, and half everybody go right behind you. He said, so, he said, I figured if I could, we could get you right and get you sober that you could lead that way too. And, and so.
0: I'm interested to hear again. I keep coming back to this. You, you, you're you jumping ahead to the point. Yeah, I see how you are. You, you're ready to go. You're going to convince somebody on here to go his way. I know. Um <laughs> But I'm still interested. There's a gap between there and um, when you came, and about you know you just told us what brought you to twenty eight twenty a little bit. But
1: um, yeah, I was going to talk. You know, you said you were homeless for how long? Four or five? Five years? and a half years. So, I mean, we I, I, we've been you know working over there now and, and have seen some of that. We've never experienced that. Uh, I haven't. So maybe, you know, you've never been homeless before until you came to Huntsville. I'm assuming. No. So, we'll kind of talk about that a little bit. Like, what was that li- like? What, what, well, I guess what prompted it was you didn't go into that program at the rescue mission, and you ended up being on the streets. Right?
2: Uh, um, it's just uh, um, that my sister and I figured that me going to the program up there or getting away from Coleman, I wouldn't know nobody. Yeah. I wouldn't, you know, I guess they thought that I would, would be able to find the drugs that I was getting high off of. Mm-hmm. But they just don't realize it. It's just you can find it anywhere. It don't matter what city you go to. If you want it, you can find it. You know, and just uh, it's just basically uh, that lifestyle is addictive, man. Like the homeless, the homeless lifestyle by itself is addictive. Because, I mean, if you think about it, you don't have to pay no bills. Anything, any drug you want, you can walk out of your tent and get. They're at, at the homeless place. Anything you want. And, I mean, it's just, it, it's just, and then as far as the working wise, panhandling, you know. I mean, I could go out every day and get anywhere from 50 to to $100 just give to me. Just for asking for it, you know, mm-hmm. and that's people come gets addicted to that. You know, it's right. it's so easy. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, it's just that's something I would never want to go back to.
1: So, what made you want to get out? Of, I mean, like well, the homeless part of it. What what about it? I mean, was there a point you realize what am I doing here? Like you know, or you know, I, I don't have a. I think I think you came to 2020 at least a few times. You know, needing a tent, needing something to to protect yourself in the weather and everything. And maybe yeah. you talk about that a little bit. Just.
2: Well, I mean, um, um, a lot of times when I got tents from folks, I didn't even use them myself. Yeah. I would trade them for drugs. Yeah. And that's, you know, one thing about it is a lot of people takes advantage. A lot of folks out there take advantage of people that's trying to help them.
1: Yeah.
2: It's like with Mark Stearns. I yeah. had to do the same thing with him the other day at uh, – leaking village Village, and he asked me about that i had to admit to him about it and he said "Jeremy, i knew the whole time yeah he said but i never turned you down did i and i said no sir you didn't but you were sleeping anywhere i lay my head and and basically uh the graveyard across from the slab yeah i was sleeping that graveyard on the ground put a blanket out and sleep in that graveyard on the ground just lay down yes that's why in my testimony, I used uh, the man possessed by many demons. Yeah. When he seen Jesus, he come running out of the graveyard. That was me. Mm. Yeah, possessed by many demons. I had many demons in me. And when I consider that, when I say that, I addiction, um, uh, and, you know, anxiety, uh, depression. Um, let's see. Um, what's the... I'm trying to think of the one, uh... Oh, it'll come to me in a minute. Yeah. Um, basically where I just think I'm, you know, uh... You used to tell me it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> um.
0: And for those who, who are not in the room with us, his girlfriend Tiffany <laughs> is sitting back <laughs> over here in the corner, <laughs> and he's looking at her going, he so, used to call me this all the time, you say this.
2: Um... <laughs> Um, I'll get back to that. Well, that ain't that's no problem. Yeah. No. yeah. Just, I was just uh, – everything, man, just you, So you paranoid. just lay a blanket down on the ground. Mm-hmm. What about the nights when it was raining? And just uh, find, find a place that had a roof over it and do the same thing. Like several times, uh, just the building that's got an owning on the outside of it. The porch uh, right off uh, – what's the – the road, Memorial Parkway? No, Eugene no. shop's on Cemetery Street? Cemetery Street? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. There's an abandoned house right there. Yeah. Where you take the right to go to the slab. Uh-huh. That abandoned house, I slept on that porch many a times when it was raining. Mm. I've even uh, laid on the ground in the cemetery and used a tarp to cover up with yeah. while, it was, while it was raining.
1: Were you afraid? Were you ever concerned about somebody bothering you or did that happen i mean i guess i'm wondering no
2: um not really in in that cemetery no because most of folks is nobody wanted to be in the cemetery no because everybody <laughs> says that it's haunted like they, yeah they said that yeah so they won't come in there yeah that's so that was sort uh, of your protection Yep, yeah. they they told me i was only crazy enough to want to sleep in there <laughs> so uh, you were
0: well known in that community yeah, not only for distribution and being able to oh yeah get, I had I, basically i had my people.
2: I had my own nickname out there for the drug that i that I sold, and it was no show synthetic marijuana, and yeah. that's what I was called by everybody no show yes mm. huh. yep, and I just certain folks some some folks still call me that this day, and I don't even answer them. I just keep walking yeah, who are they talking to? I look at her and say, "Who are they talking to <laughs> yeah that to don't exist anymore no you uh, don't. Hey,
0: that, it, okay, I, you <laughs> you talk to us when like that's normal because you lived it, but now that you're on the other side, do you think, what in the world? Like, because from my perspective, you're saying you just laid down on the ground. I'm thinking, my back's hurting sitting in a cushy chair right now, but you just laid down on the ground. What? Was it because, I know you said that lifestyle's easy, but that doesn't sound easy. But was it because you were using drugs and it kind of numbed
2: that part? Yeah. Or what? I mean, it just the the drugs, the no show would get you into a like a a a, a state of where you didn't care. You know, like Mm -hmm. you would just fall out. Once you've done it, after walking all day to get get the money and get the drugs, and then when I got it, just within hitting it two or three times, I'd pass out, I'd fall out because of the fentanyl that it had on it. Sure? Yeah. Um, That's just wild. Wow. the question when you asked me about well, what made me, like, say that it was enough – I remember coming to twenty eight twenty and taking showers and shower up and couldn't even look at myself in the mirror
1: because
2: mm. I didn't just uh, the weight loss that I lost and the skin hanging yeah. and just seeing the bones. You know what I'm saying? Made me I look like a you know I didn't I look like a demon, man. You know what I'm saying? It just suddenly, a demon I, that lived in the the, the... the the eyes sunk in and everything. You know, oh, yes. Yeah. I couldn't even look at myself in the mirror. You know, and then. My niece and them come. Twenty eight, twenty. No, it was oh. at first stop. Okay. And my my sister Tammy, uh, her husband Hunter, and my niece Morgan they hadn't seen me in a long time. Come. And I'm walking across the street. I see Tammy and them, and I'm I've done made eye contact with Tammy, and I'm walking up there to, to give her. And my niece Morgan walks right by me, and asking my sister, "Where's he at? Where's he at?" She didn't even know who I was.
0: Mm. Yeah. It was, that's that's got to be a... Yeah,
2: it's a opener. But, I mean, I just... Even after that, I still wasn't ready. Yeah. They come and chase me around for four to six hours one day wanting to take me to a rehab. And, you and, mean and, your family? And, yes. Uh-huh. And Tiffany. And just uh, would not give up, man. They would not go.
0: So, so somewhere in this picture, Tiffany's in it. How did... And and I I don't know where we are on this this sheet, but um, how did how did Tiffany come into the picture? uh, Along the way,
2: one day I was asleep in my tent and I got woke up. Somebody sitting on the front of my tent. That's when I did one time when I did have a tent. Yeah, I was on a slab, and I woke somebody woke me up and said, "Do you always sleep with one eye open?" See, I got a lazy eye, so <laughs> when I sleep, it looks like one of my eyes is open sometimes. And I woke up, and I said, uh, I guess so. I, yeah, you ain't been the only person that told me that. <laughs> and that's from there. That's how we met each other. And just basically it started off as addiction thing, and, you know, just.
0: An addiction relationship. Yep. yep. Yeah. They both had uh, those the, the addiction and. Okay, so, so, along this way, then, what there was something along the way, and you've given us bits and pieces, like one seeing your niece and one seeing yourself looking at yourself in the mirror. couldn't barely look at yourself in the in the mirror because you realized what you looked like with your one eye. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the what actually prompted you to think, okay, I'm going to do something about what door opened what. Because you, you, that there's still a big leap from you getting to his way even. How did you get there? Help us understand that. Just, and, uh, and what opened that door for you to
2: make the decision to go, okay, I'm in. And just everything I was trying to control on my own just kept falling, you know, just like me and her was not getting along at all. We used to couldn't stand to be around each other. We would argue 24/7, and uh, just and I just started doing stupid things, you know. Like I went to jail, and that's when I I, I come from jail to his way. But it was on Christmas Eve when I went to jail, and I was going to pick up a money order that somebody had sent me. But besides going straight into Walmart and getting this money order, I go in there and start. Putting stuff in my pocket. Shoplifting. Yeah, when I had a money order in my pocket, all I had to do was go in and get the cash. That's just wasn't thinking right, you know. And just I knew I needed help, man. You know, I just I think that that was my crowd, you know what I'm saying? I think I went into Walmart that day wanting something to happen. You know, Mm -hmm. it's just I was sick and tired, man. Just nothing was where Every time I tried to. Handle something or take care of something and get caught up, you know, and just I just kept digging myself deeper in the pit that I was in, man.
1: So what, so, what, so you got arrested in, in jail. Who or did somebody did somebody reach out? You reach out to somebody or somebody came in? Well, um,
2: actually, the Monday after Christmas, I was supposed to meet Andrew at first stop to go to the Atlanta program of his way.
0: So you had already talked to Andrew Reynolds? Yeah,
2: he had done brought me a, a suitcase and everything. I was, I was <laughs> the, the the Monday after Christmas, I was meeting Andrew at first stop to go to Atlanta program, and just uh, I just man, Andrew just kept on coming at me, you know. Just come on, man, come on. I know I can see it in your eyes that you're tired of this, man, you know. And you know, I finally said, okay, you know, and just. And then after I got arrested and I was in jail, I called my family and I talked to my sister and, uh, and my niece and uh, my sister told my niece, ask him what, what, I, what he wants me to do. do you, does he want me to come and bind him out or does, or what? And I told her, no, I said, I want you to get in contact with his way, and use this money and get put me through his way because I knew that would get me there faster, somebody paying it, you know? Mm-hmm. And just uh, within two months, I was in there, mm-hmm. and it blew Andrew Reynolds' mind because he found out from Gary Mann. He sent Gary Mann out there looking for me on a Saturday to uh, to make sure I was gonna be there on, on Monday, and he couldn't find me nowhere. And Gary Mann looks on jail view, and he tells Andrew he's in jail, man. And then Andrew thought, you know, didn't have no idea that I was coming to his way in Huntsville. And then one night, I got there on a Tuesday, and then the next night it was table talk. Oh, yeah. And I come walking up to him, all shaved and everything, didn't have none of this. He didn't even know who I was. Andrew didn't. Oh, yeah. Gary Man says, Andrew, look. Andrew's looking. I walk up and give him a hug, and he said, do I know you? And I said, it's Jeremy. And he said, what? Oh, yeah, and, he you know, he just he thought I was going back to prison, you know. It's just, I'm just tired, man. That's what. But gave me got me to give up and give it, you know, go in. It's the best thing I ever done. It's it I, this way.
1: How long and when was okay? <laughs> help me uh, time wise. That's that was when. When did that happen? Uh, that would
2: Christmas the last year, not this past Christmas, but the Christmas before then. Twenty
1: twenty one. Yes. Okay. And then Tiffany, it, what was going on with her at the time? Was she still in an addiction? Were you trying to and. Maybe talk a little bit about that. Cause I think that's kind of interesting <coughs> a little bit because I think you you're in the program. Were you communicating with her and saying you need, you know, hey, I'm doing this. You need to do this too, or something, or something like that. I had
2: talked with her a couple of times and just I'd make it a point every time we go by there, you know, on our way back from 2820 or something like that, so we could stop, you know, and just check on her and make sure, you know, bring her water all the time when she needed it and. I gave her Bibles, you know what I'm saying with wrote in there what verse you know a verse to look at and everything you know because she was one of the main reasons her and Steve Shelton is the ones that got me to fill out the application for his way one day at twenty at twenty yeah. her and Steve yep
0: we need to have. We need to have Tiffany back in here. We didn't have a mic ready. <laughs> yes, <ever. We> yes. <laughs> yeah. Pulled her in here. <laughs> Bring but another
1: microphone in there. So,
0: um, so when you were filling it out, did you think I'd actually go, or you just kind of
2: well, uh,
0: playing the game?
2: Truthfully, uh, the day I filled it out, I was just doing it to to get folks off my back. <laughs> yeah, I mean, truthfully, I was I'd just. And then Andrew pulls up on me and tells me your bed's gonna be ready Monday, and it's just everything had just been uh, everything was not. We couldn't even stand to be around each other, Me and Her couldn't, you know. It's just. And then he pulls up on me and he's like, "Are you ready? Are you gonna go?" And I said, "Yes, man." I was to that point, man. I had to do something. And that's
0: when you got arrested.
2: Yes, that 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 same day he come and gave me the the, uh, the suitcase. Uh, that about three hours after that. So
1: so when you fill the format, they were, instead of going to Huntsville, they were telling you, okay, we don't have anything open here. We're going to send you to Atlanta. Yes.
2: And when I went to jail, I told the judge, I've got a bed open uh, come Monday to the Atlanta program of his way, and she told me, do you think I'm crazy? Do you think you're sitting here with a charge? Do you think I'm fixing to let you go out of state Uh. to the rehab? She said, "No." She said, "You need to get in contact with his way here." So I had the judge and the and my lawyer getting in contact with him, and my family too. So,
0: huh? Mm. Um, wow. Um, so, you went to his way, and what was a transition like there? Because you had made this decision. All right, I'll do this, but a whole new world is kind of opening to your eyes at that point. So what was that like? Tell us a little bit about that.
2: At first, it was scary. You know, I just, I didn't know what to expect, you know. Mm-hmm. and You'd just, never been to a rehab no, of any
0: sort? No. Uh-huh.
2: And I just, it was it was something new, you know. Uh, but also, and then I got to thinking about it, homelessness was something new to me, too, and i have been doing that for five and a half years and got nowhere. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just was getting nowhere, so why not something new? And, and and basically just went into it wholeheartedly, you know, and just met folks like Frank King and Steve. You know, just his way, of, they welcome you with open arms, man. Mm. It's just it's a great place, mm. and just I've never, besides from my family and certain folks, I had never been welcomed like that, or you know, it was I felt like I was part of a family there. yeah, yeah. so yeah.
0: That's uh, it's a unique place, but you still have to commit to it. Yes. So where where along that way, and I, I like I said, I don't know where we are. right <laughs> I, think <we're, laughs> but,
1: I think we're right along there. Uh, where <laughs> somewhere in there. Where where, anyway. where
0: along that way, did you see God start working His way into your life?
2: Um. Just. Uh when I started this
0: just that beginning point was there a point where that you can look at and go, okay that that was something god's I feel like this god thing may be maybe on point,
2: maybe real, just uh, one day I was sitting, I would been talking with Frank King, mm-hmm. and um uh, he said, man uh, and I asked him, I said, uh, how do you know?" And when 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 he's talking to you, you know, and and Frank said you'll know, you'll feel it. And after me and him got done talking, I just like I said, I never like looking up at the sky, you know. And I looked up at the sky, and it's just, and I just said, why me, you know? What, what? Just let me know what, what's up. Why me? And for some reason in my head, I heard why not, you know? Mm-hmm. And every hair. And every bump that could pop up on my body, stood up on my body, uh-huh. mm-hmm. and it's it's like I'd done a shot of methamphetamines. You know what I'm saying? And, yeah. And I never, and I knew I had it, you know. And I was, I'd been there like two months, and I know I what nothing still in my system, and, and you know, I just, I knew that's what it was. Was him talking to me, man? And, and it just, and then from that point, you know, I just asked him to lead me, you know, just. And that's when Steve come to me with the Feed My Sheep. He said, would you be interested in doing Feed My Sheep? He said, I think you would be a good leader of it. He said, because you used to be in that line. Mm-hmm. He said, and folks, seeing you, you know, being a leader and coming out there, and he said, you can talk with the folks out there. And that that's right there is what really got me started in to helping with, like I do with the homeless folks, man. Is feed my sheep, mm-hmm. and uh just, and then Cornelius that was there, he come to me and he was coming to feed my sheep, and he was using it as his community service, like you got to get signed off on mm-hmm. there. So he come to me with his paper, and he's like, "Here, I need you to sign this," and I said, "Sign what?" I said, "This is for the courts." So I said, "What good is my signature going to do on uh-huh. this?" <laughs> He said, you're the leader of feeding my sheep, man, you? And I said, yeah. He said, well, I need your signature on there. It just, like I'm like, whoa, you know what? Yeah. my mind, you know what? Any other time my signature being on anything is forging checks, you know what I'm saying, or something like that. <laughs> or for so, court yeah. documents. Yes, or, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Yeah. only time I'd ever sign anything for the courts is when I was trying to get out of something, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, he. Uh, it was crazy. It just opened my eyes a lot, man. It's just, I've, ne- I've never felt, I still, to this day, I've never felt anything like that, man. And mm-hmm. I still feel it. You know, anytime, anytime anybody comes to me and wants to talk, they're just, I'm there, you know. That's mm-hmm. all I can be. That's what I feel like he's put on me. I think that's what God's put on me to do, is to, to go back out there and be a lot. I know uh, me and uh, Jim Norville, Tom Reynolds, Matt Ross, we all had a little debate about this as, as far as if it was okay for me to go back out there where I was in my addiction. And
0: going, because that's going back to the setting. And that's one of the things, you know, just for clarification for those who may listen, there, there may be some listening going, why, why, why would he not go back? Because that's one of the things when you're coming through addiction is you, you clear out your history. Right, you change phones, you change friends, you change places, in order to change your life. So the idea of going right back into that is, is is not usually a smart decision.
2: But uh, just that's that's what I felt that God had put on me to do, mm-hmm. just to be a light. You know, I'm not going out there to hang out. I'm not going out there to be friends. I'm going out there to be motivation. You know, just yeah. to to show them. Look, man. Some of y'all had told me I'd die out here. I would not be out here the rest of my life. I would never change. I had done it. You can do it. Mm-hmm. You know, huh. Yeah. You know,
1: and, and I and I was gonna say just it, you know you being over at twenty twenty. You can see it because there's hardly a Sunday goes by that we don't get, you don't get somebody or somebody comes up and wants to say I, I wanna get a application for his way. I wanna try to get uh, I wanna try to get out of my addiction and I and I can see that's how God's using you I mean in one of the ways he's using you, he's using you some I was gonna ask you, so you know, for those who are listening, so where where has God got you at now? Well, like what's happened since that old Jeremy is gone and, and and I know you finished the program at his way and maybe tell a little bit about like what's
2: happening in your life right now. I'm just uh, pretty much uh, last, about two weeks ago, I I paid my rent for the very first time in my life on my my own place. Car payment, insurance, and and paid, you know. It's just, and that's something, even when I was not homeless, that I didn't do, you know. That's just because I'd blow all my money, you know, on stuff that it wouldn't. If I could sit here and think about how much money I had blue on nothing, you know, just material things, rarely things, I just money that was wasted, you know, it's mm-hmm. just, and then just a full time job, city lumber, something that I, you know, uh, two years ago I wouldn't, I had people that wanted me to go to work with them, tree service. And when they'd show up, I wouldn't go, you know, just because mm-hmm. I was just, to chase my eye all day long besides going to work, you know. It's just everything that he's put in my life, man, it's it's saying God to me, saying God is good is an understatement for everything that he's done in my life. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. an understatement to me because there's nothing that can explain what he means to me and what he's done in my life.
0: Amen. So you've seen him work big time.
2: Yes, yeah, and I see him working in other folks. That's how I know that it's real you know it's 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 not me being brainwashed telling myself that he's real and just I can see it working through Percy yeah. through Reese yeah through Thomas uh-huh. you know, just everybody you know that I can see that you can you can tell after about two months of being in his way, you can tell who's doing it serious and who ain't yeah so because you can see the holy spirit them. absolutely just the whole way they walk the way they talk everything i mean i used two years ago every other word out of my mouth was cuss word negativity everything just and i just it's it's funny now people will talk me around me and they'll be cussing and they'll say "Oh, i'm sorry you know, like, <laughs> that's y'all I mean, don't bother me knowing that y'all you know I can't yeah but yeah it's just yeah.
0: it's uh, a change it's you know I I know it's gotta be I, I, I've seen you multiple times when I've been over at 2820 and we're like alright Jeremy's got this where's Jeremy where's Jeremy we're looking around Jeremy's outside holding to his way um, talking to somebody Yeah, and I you know I when Randy asked the question, you know, have you seen God work in your life? I can answer that question from the outside as I've watched God use you in that community. And it's, it's one of those things that we don't all have the same experience. And so we don't all have the same ability. Where you've stood and where you've been, you have a lot of ability. To point at somebody and say, I've sat where you say. You can't say you don't understand. You, you can't say I don't understand, rather. I understand. I've been through what it's like to get sober, and I've I've slept in the graves.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, uh, a lot of times when we go out there, uh, I've had folks tell me, your addiction ain't what my addiction was. How can you talk to me about my addiction? So that's why I like having Thomas... Yeah. Christian Ferrier uh, People that's beat heroin, fentanyl, alcohol, that's beating it every day. Yeah. Well, if I can't talk to you about it, he, he beat he beat heroin. He beat Craig. He beat alcohol. Yeah, that's well talk to my homeboy here. He beat yeah. it you know. <laughs> so yeah, just that's that's what I was telling Andrew. I, Andrew said, I sort of see what you're trying to do here. He said, But explain it to me. He said, What is it? And I told him that. He said, Yeah he
0: said, "I see it." He yeah. said, "It's happening." So, it's uh, and and for those listening also, these are people that that Jeremy has helped get into his way and or some sort of recovery and point them mm-hmm. and help support them, disciple them. I would say toward Christ uh, and all that. What if you were if there's a lot of people listening to this, S- some that may be in addiction of some sort, but some that may not um it took a huge change in your life and there's a lot of people out there that make, need to make huge changes in their lives but fear that road to make it you know just like kind of you did it's like you sort of ran for from it for a long yeah. time what would you say to those people listening what would you say you got a change in life you need to make what what word would you leave with them or advice would you give to them?
2: Well, I mean, a lot of times when people run from it, they're afraid of what they're going to lose in that life that they're leaving. Mm-hmm. But to my understanding now, that's why I ran from it. But to my understanding now is that if it's part of God's will, it will be given back to you. because can't nothing separate that. God's will for you. Mm-hmm. If it's in His will, okay, nothing separate that. So I mean, this—I tell a lot of guys at the program, man. Uh, just there was a guy there that was—he uh, was ready to leave because after about a month and a half, because he seen his girlfriend at the thrift store. Oh yeah. And he said, "Man, I just want to go home." And I said, "Where's home, at? And he said, "I'd be the slab." I said, "Man," I said, "That ain't no home, dude." I said, you've been here this long. I said, you're sober. I said, you feel better, right? He said, yeah. I said, you just had a bad day. I said, just because you've seen this girl and and she's telling you this and telling you that. I said, but in your own mind, you can sit here and tell me that you're a better person than what you was two months ago. And he said, yeah. And I said, well, the way I look at that is I said if you was to leave here tonight and go back to the slab, I said, what would you be tomorrow? Or what would you do? First thing you'd do, he said, I'd go get drunk. I said, all right. I said, when you wake up in the morning from that drunk, I said, you're going to be like, oh, man, what have I done done? I said, and then to fight them feelings of what you've done done, that shame, that you're going to go get drunk again. Mm-hmm. I said, and then the next day, you're going to go do it again. I said, that shame will eat you up. Mm-hmm. Said so like a domino effect. And then I told him, I said, and if this girl's got something to do with what you're thinking now, I said you don't need her anyways. I said because if she's not, she's not for you. If she's not about you getting right and getting better, she's not for you at all. Because mm. she can't respect the, the fact of the matter that you're in this place to get yourself back better and right, I said she's not the right person for you, man. Mm. And that's that's the advice I'd give somebody if they're afraid of what they're gonna lose. If they lose it from getting 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 right, going to a recovery, going to a rehab to get their self right and get their life better, if they lose something, it was never meant for them in the first place. Yeah. So that that would be my advice for them. Mm-hmm. Jeremy, I, uh,
0: I I want you to know that God has given you a gift on the other side of this that is just raw, and that it's uh, it's. It's really it's odd that you, you, you sometimes you got to go uh, through the fire in order to find the gold that's in there. Um, but I can tell you, I see the gold and I see God working in your life now. It doesn't mean that life's not going to be a struggle at times, and but you know I I'm I'm proud of you. I'm proud of where Tiffany has come as well and how God's worked in her life through you, but. So many others, and I see you every week on mission. Yes. And that really, you know, I think of how that impacts me and how that impacts people listening to this and how that impacts just the people who see you who have seen you sleep on that slab or in the graves, in the tombs. Um, they now see a man who's whole and they see a man working for God, and it's not false. It's genuine, and I, and I, I it's just very impressive uh, the change in how God used you. and how God's. You know, I want you to know that, you know, it's really cool to be an out, kind of an outlier, looking in, and and seeing
1: God, you know, work through through both of you guys now, uh, specifically. But, yeah. And I know you know Jeremy uh, and Tiffany have shared parts of their story and, and they do ministry over at 2820 almost every single Sunday and um, I know they he loves sharing his story he, anybody out there listening would like for him to you could if it Doug or me get in touch with us and we can get you in touch with Jeremy or, or come visit 2820 on Sunday mornings <laughs> I'll put a plug in right now for that mm-hmm. and uh, you you'd catch you catch him there and we get you connected but um, Jeremy I appreciate you being so open and sharing and uh, anytime time. Yeah, when you get both of y'all on. the Yeah. So what out. we
0: need to do? I've already thought about this. We need to do part two, part one, and part <laughs> two. Part two, <laughs> Tiffany, you're coming back, and we're going to put you in front of the mic, yeah. and and we're going to get part two because there's a second part, and that would be a great perspective on yeah. on this story and how God really works in places that we think He can't. Yeah. Yes. Amen. Um, Amen.
1: Yeah. Well. I, I we usually, we usually close by praying over the person that's kind of shared today, and I if you if you'd let me, I'd like to pray right now for, okay. all for you. But be okay. Let's let's pray together. Dear God and Father in heaven, Father God, we thank you so much for your love and mercy. Uh, thank you, Father, for second chances. All of us, um, the fact that you um, uh, you're always there. We we're the ones that step away sometimes, Father, and uh, we just need to turn around and run back to you because you're you're there waiting, and we're grateful for this story of Jeremy's that we've heard today, Father of re- of uh, addiction, but then redemption, Father, recovery, and uh, grateful for he and Tiffany's they're both them the the lives that they're living now to be lights in a world that's full of darkness in so many ways, Father, and offer hope to those who maybe feel hopeless. Uh, And we pray, Father, for those who may be listening today that may be feeling hopeless right now, that they may realize that there's, through Jesus, through you, Father, there's always hope uh, and forgiveness. And we pray that you bless uh, Jeremy and Tiffany and continue to be with them and they continue to make steps in their lives, Father, in their walk with you. And may they continue to to touch and bless the lives of others through their testimonies. And we pray, Father, that you help each of us Uh, in our own way, Father, using our own talents, unique talents you've given us. Uh, Use them to glorify you and lift up Jesus. It's through his name we pray. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. Thanks, Jeremy. Thank you.
2: Thank you.
0: Our stories of brokenness, struggles, failures, and sin help others know that they are not alone and that while we as a church are imperfect and broken, God has the ability to take our stories and to make them into a story that shines a light back on Jesus. And that's a beautiful thing. It's our hope that the people listening to this will find confidence in knowing that God can and will use your stories if you're willing to share it. We appreciate your comments and feedback on Unbroken Jars podcast. We'd also love to hear from you if you have a faith story you'd love to share. You can reach out to us at unbrokenjars at gmail.com. Please understand that our goal is always to honor God by the experience of real life stories and real faith that you hear on this podcast. May God bless your life as you live out your story of real faith in your own settings.